Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Keith Smith coming up here momentarily. Contributes at uh, Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the resuming of the NBA season. Gordon, in fact, he lives down there in Orlando. So he's uh, down in that area. We'll ask him his thoughts. I'd be curious to know on the lay of the land, you know, how close will the players be to one another? Uh, how close are the hotels? Uh, what, uh, he, he's probably familiar with the whole setup. Uh, why would how close the the hotels or that sort of thing? Um, why would I mean, be gonna be, are they are they going to be running into each other on a regular basis? Are they going to have cookouts? Are they going <laughs> to they 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 did allow for rounds of golf, right? Oh. I would guess they would encourage social distancing, but I ask because part of the point of the bubble, of course, is to kind of isolate everybody in one place, which would yeah. make, you know, like where your hotel room or your, the proximity of one team's hotel to another less important. I'm not saying unimportant, but less important. All right. Uh, Gordon, should we talk to Keith? Well, let's run it by him. What do you say? Sure. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He's a contributor at Yahoo Sports and Real GM. He's our friend Keith Smith. Hello, Keith. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Doing doing fine. Gordon, why don't you uh, you start off the conversation with your question about the lay of the land? Yeah, the, the whole idea of uh, all these teams being in a bubble uh, are you familiar with the layout of uh, what, what will the situation be? Will there, are the teams going to be holed up in, in close proximity to one another? Are they going to be running across each other? Are they going to be socializing at all? What's, what's it look like? Yeah, I'm very familiar. I worked at Walt Disney World for nearly 20 years, so I'm, I'm oh. about as familiar <laughs> with the, the right property guy. as you can get. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah. So from all indications, are nothing has been officially announced yet. But that uh, the primary host hotel for the NBA will be Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, and that is where they are expected to house the vast majority of the team and uh, NBA personnel that it's going to take to pull this off. There is the potential that there may be a couple of other resorts involved as well, um, but that has not been you know finalized or decided upon yet. But but they're definitely going to be you know uh, several teams. In, um, you know, spread over a handful of hotels. They're not all going to have one for themselves. I know we all had some fun. I want to say it was about a week or so ago with the idea of a hotel draft and, and the like. And while Walt Disney World does have over 30 resorts on its property, they were never planning to offer them all to the NBA. They're actually opening several of them back up to guests uh, here in the next couple of weeks. The ones the NBA is at, they'll be the only ones there. With that in mind, what do you think about the whole plan in general and how the NBA has uh, come to the decision on how to resume? Yeah, I think from the basketball side, I think they did a pretty good job. I think they made it about as fair as you can possibly make it. They they went back, looked at their history, and said, all right, you know, teams as far back as Washington and Phoenix with an average of about 16, 17 games to play have made a run in the past. And, you know, so we're going to give them a shot. We're going to bring them in. And let's face it, part of that was the more teams, the more games, the more games on TV, the more money coming back into the league. That's, you know, something that's very important for a league that has lost, you know, already significant amount of revenue and is likely to be down revenue next year. But then, you know, from a competitive balance standpoint, I think they did a good job making sure really Brooklyn or in Orlando and the Eastern Conference and Memphis and the Western Conference, they've still got a pretty good advantage. Not only do you have to get to within four games of them, and then if you do that, then you've got to beat them two times in a row to take that final playoff spot away from those teams. And I think that's, you know, something that the NBA, you know, basically said to the teams that are in the hunt, you have a chance. But the teams that are there, you still, you know, we're going to uh, recognize and respect what you accomplish over the course of the regular season. And I think that's about as fair as you can do it. What are the gyms like down there? 
Sure, yeah, there's going to be three primary facilities that they use at the ESPN Live World of Sports Complex. The first is the HP Fieldhouse. It is going to be the likely the primary game court. That one is uh, uh, host every year to a Division One college basketball tournament over Thanksgiving week. Every year has you know a handful of uh, NCAA tournament teams, ranked teams in that tournament, and that'll be the primary game court. Then there's a second facility, uh, aptly uh, called just the Arena. It doesn't have a sponsor on it. I, if nobody jumps on that in the next month or so, I'm going to send them a check for about $20 <laughs> and ask them to throw my name on it because that will help me out. But, you know, they're, they're going to um, set that one up uh, uh, game arena style, and that will be the secondary game court from what it sounds like. Then there's the Visa Center, which is – it's a big multi-purpose gym. I've been in there when they've had as many as 12 to 15 courts set up at a time for uh, AAU national championships and junior NBA world championships. And it sounds like they're going to set up a handful of courts in there with uh, privacy partitions and dividers and the like, and that'll be the primary practice facility. So that that's what you'll have set up. So it's going to be not exactly what the NBA teams are used to, but but it won't be you know all that different from when they go on the road and they might be traveling and, and uh, practice at a local high school or a college or something like that. I want to ask you about uh, not having fans there and kind of uh, the atmosphere and should the NBA do anything about that? Gordon and I have talked about it, and and uh, I kind of am hoping for the bare bones. You get to hear everything from the coaches to the players to the refs, but they've been talking about uh, you know uh, video game crowd noise and that sort of thing. What do you think about the broadcast, and should they do anything fancy like that? Yeah, I'm with you. I'd prefer just give me the sound of the game. If it's not going to be there, I, I've watched a handful of the soccer games and heard the piped in crowd noise. And what's, what's a little weird about it is, um, from all my understanding is that's for the broadcast only. The players can't hear that in the, uh, you know, soccer stadium. Now that's not being, you know, uh, for them to hear. So at that point, I, I'd rather just hear it. I understand that not all the coaches are going to want everything that they say being broadcast and heard and in I don't think the NBA wants, you know, some of the things that the players tend to say when they're out on the floor being heard by the crowd. So you might have to have an additional delay or, or something of the like. But but I but I'd rather much rather have the sound of the game. I thought Brad Stevens in a media availability last week said it really well when he said uh, you know, one of the cool things that you can do with this is you can hear just how much players talk possession to possession all the way through, especially on the defensive end about switches and coverages and, you know, get out on them, drop back, all those sorts of things. And he said that would be an experience for the fans that you just, you're really never going to get anywhere else. And, I, and I'm in agreement with that. Wow, that's really something I hadn't given that much thought to. That, that's that's really cool. I mean, I would love to be able to hear all that, you know, because you're right. When you go to an arena, you don't hear it much because there's so much crowd noise going on. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Get rid of that piped-in noise. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I don't want to hear video game, you know, crowd noise. And, you know, the video games, I know that they're, you know, pretty good and they do a good job of it. But, but it's, it's just I don't feel like it's ever going to react exactly the way you want it to to what's, you know, happening on the court. And, you know, I look at it kind of like the old Orlando Summer League, which was played in the Orlando Magic's practice gym. You know, I, I always enjoyed that because you could, you know, hear a lot of things and, you know, get, get a lot of things. And I'm looking at this as it, it's kind of like Summer League with stakes. So, you know, let's treat it like that and let's move forward and, you know, uh, have some fun here, experiment with with something a little bit different. One other thing I wanted to ask about the physical facility, uh, is there room for the players' families to be involved as well or is that going to be greatly limited? Yeah, no, there will be. So so those two gyms, think of them akin to like a high-level mid-major gym as far as size-wise. So there's enough room for, you know, well, what they're talking about doing is allowing the families to join the players somewhere after the first or maybe second round of the playoffs when the number of teams has shrunk down considerably and then the players' families will be able to come in and join them and then they'll be able to go to those games. And one of the things that, you know, I was told from someone with the NBA is, you know, when you win a championship, it's so important to not only celebrate it with your team, but with the people who helped to get there in your life and your family and the like. And they didn't want a guy, guys to not have that experience. That's a big chunk of why. You know, beyond that, also, you know, being away from the family for, you know, well, ultimately, which could be, you know, three months if the family wasn't able to to come. So I think they're going to be there. They'll be there, you know, a little bit later into the playoff round, but they'll be there in the gym. I'm assuming with 
you know, all sorts of social distancing required and all the like, but they're definitely going to be there at some point, you know, once we get into this thing. So I was thinking about it. Uh, Keith and Keith Smith is with us uh, on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone with with literally no home court, right? No home court advantage. No, in a best of seven series, you don't get uh, an extra game at home. They're all neutral games. So uh, with that in mind, these last eight quote unquote regular season games, right? How much jockeying for position are we going to see? If not, you know, losing on purpose in order to get the right matchup, because frankly, the number seed you are doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, well, what side of the bracket do I want to be on? In the Eastern Conference, can I get away from Milwaukee for as long as possible? Then that's what I want to do. I don't want any part of playing the box until I have to. And I think in the West, you're going to see similar thing, things with the Lakers. I don't think teams want to go up against the Lakers until they have to. So, so teams are going to do what they can and stay out of that 4-5 matchup. Potentially, that means, you know, hey, we, we take it a little easier. We treat this like a preseason and, you know, just kind of play it out. We drop a slot in the standings and that helps us out. Or do we really need to push to try to get to that 2-3 line? Um, you know, that, that'll that be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think you're going to see that uh, not for the home court advantage part of it, but just more, you know, what side of the bracket is more favorable for me. Is there still concern there in Florida because the cases of COVID have uh, continued to increase? Is that still the trend? Yeah, it has been the trend, but what I'll say is Florida is a pretty big state, and the vast majority of that increase has happened down in the southern part of the state, um, which is pretty far away. In central Florida, while cases are slightly on the rise, um, our numbers were very, very small to begin with. We, we you know, somehow have gotten very lucky here. And I say we because I live in central Florida. I live, you know, just a couple miles away from Walt Disney World. So, um, you know, with considering that our, our theme parks are the lifeblood of our community, here and you know millions of people coming in and out of this place you know the fact that we've been as lucky with our numbers being low is really important but people you know they took it very seriously they they you know wore the face coverings right away they stayed home when they were supposed to and the like and i think that really helped so while the numbers are going up slightly they're not going up i think an amount that should be you know of super concern for anybody saying i don't know if the nba should be doing this i think if that's your concern then then that's your concern, and that's probably been that way for quite some time. But the recent numbers shouldn't change anybody's mind on that. So, Keith, it finally feels like we can consider on-the-court storylines once again officially. So give us a couple of storylines going into this thing on the floor that are really catching your eye. Yeah, I'm really curious to see a couple of things. One is, um, you know, there's a couple of teams at Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers who had talked a lot about being, you know, good playoff teams and being built for the playoffs. And in that they were absolutely rotten teams away from home. Uh, Philadelphia had one of the largest spreads in the entire NBA. They were 29 and 2 at home and I believe 10 and 20 something on the road. And that's, you know, really, you know, pretty, pretty you know, massive spread there. So I think what we're going to see is, you know, just, just how do they do? And, you know, I'm curious to see what happens with the young players because I've had coaches and scouts tell me, you know, young guys are going to be the ones that they can come right out of this break. They're going to get back into shape and they'll be the teams off and running. And then I had another coach say to me, ah, those young guys, they rely on the crowd to lift them. You know, I don't know how good they'll be in this environment with none of their own home fans. So that's interesting. And then I'm really a team I'm kind of been focused on here in the last couple of weeks is the Houston Rockets who are playing such a small lineup. They were only playing, you know, guys six, seven and below in their starting group. And then they were only playing about seven or eight guys in the rotation total. So they were small and playing heavy minutes. And they looked like they were starting to get a little bit worn down, a little bit beat up. So I'm curious to see how they come back out of this. A lot of variance in the game because of all the three-pointers. But, you know, I'm curious to see if they come back a little more fresh and ready to go. In teams with superstars, can you just kind of – well, things might get to be a little clunky to start this off as everybody comes back from these breaks. Well, what can you do when you can throw the ball to your star player and say, go get us a bucket? Keith, do you think that uh, there's enough ramp-up time that these teams will be able to play at uh, a reasonable level uh, and injury-free or as injury-free as possible under this scenario? I do. I think they did a really good job of, you know, making sure that they weren't rushing into anything um, as far as getting everybody back. So I know, you know, over really the next uh, few weeks here, it's going to be about getting, you know, for some guys getting them back into the country uh, that may have left and returned to their home countries. 
cost of getting them back and doing their kind of that light practicing in the team facilities that we've seen going on now. Then everybody's going to pick up and move to Florida in early July, and then about three weeks later, the season will start. And I think they really are doing a good job of, of doing everything that they can to mitigate you know, soft tissue injuries, hamstring pulls, and things like that that you know, occur when you try to ramp up too quickly. And then playing those eight uh, seeding games, regular season games, whatever the heck the NBA wants to call them, um, I think that is really important because that's going to allow guys to really get that rust knocked off um, in a competitive environment. You know, where there is, you know, for a lot of these teams, there is something to play for. So I think that's going to be important to see how that looks as they go in. And I think hopefully that'll get everybody to the point when we get to the playoffs, everybody's looking pretty good. And hopefully everyone is about as healthy as can be. Keith, I'm sure that we uh, have asked you about Mike Conley and his fit with the Jazz before, but want to revisit that issue with you because it seems to me with no Bogdanovich, the Jazz success, of course, is going to rest on the shoulders of Donovan and Rudy. That was going to happen anyway, but it seems to me like Mike Conley is in a position to pick up a lot of that slack from a production standpoint. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. I think you're going to need him and Joe Ingles to step up and do a lot of playmaking as well as scoring off the dribble. That was the big thing with adding Conley and Bogdanovich in the last few years. I say this continually. Quinn Snyder's stuff is really, really good, and his sets are great. And when the Jazz, it, it, I feel like what happens with the Jazz is it takes them a month or two to really get clicking and running. And then that's why they rip off these, you know, fantastic records down the stretch in the season. But then you get into the playoffs and you see the same team four, five, six games in a row, and they kind of get used to your stuff. And then you got to be able to create when the sets aren't there and when things break down late in the clock. And so much of that in prior years has fallen to Donovan Mitchell. It's been kind of all on his shoulders to make that happen. And I think now what you're, what you're hopeful was with, with Bogdanovich and Conley would cover that for you and they'd be able to create some offense. Without, without Bogdanovich, that's going to be tough. But Conley's going to have to step up. He's going to have to give them more scoring. He's going to have to be there you know, regularly. It looked like right before the pause, maybe he was starting to finally figure some things out again. I know he had been dealing with some health issues and the like this year, and hopefully, you know, he's got that ready to go. And you know, he is the horse champion, right? So maybe that counts for something. I don't. I don't know. There is some doubt about all of that. What you were just talking about. I saw a power ranking earlier today, and of the teams coming back, they had the Jazz rated like twelfth. And I, I was a little surprised by that. I knew the Bogdanovich factor was to be taken into consideration, but there were numerous teams that were ranked ahead of the Jazz who are behind them in the standings. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I haven't I haven't looked at a lot of that stuff just yet. I've been kind of you know more focused on well, what is it going to be you know when everybody gets back and you know how's that going to work. But you know as I think about it, I think you know the, the NBA it's always been kind of a tiers league. And I would, you know, I'd have the Bucks, Clippers, and Lakers really, you know, on their own tier at the top of the league. I just think those three teams have really, you know, done everything that they needed to do to set themselves aside. But I would have the Jazz right in the mix with any, you know, five, six teams maybe in that next tier. Um, that, that feels like that's, you know, they're, they're firmly in there for me. I know Bogdanovich, I don't, I don't want to, you know, discount his loss in the lineup. He's such a good player with having, you know, a fantastic season, especially now knowing the pain he was playing through, how well he was shooting the ball um, and really you know, doing things as a scorer. But, but it, yeah, for me, it, it doesn't make sense to really knock them down too much because I think with the Jazz, you know, they're good and, and that's a loss. But they're just kind of going to kind of do what they do, and I and I think that's not you know that that's not a bad thing. They're probably one of the teams I feel a little bit more comfortable about feeling like I know you know who they are and what they are when they come back because that's always been kind of who they are and what they are. Keith, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Y'all stay safe, you and yours. Back at you, Keith. Stay well. Uh, our friend Keith Smith, contributor for uh, Yahoo Sports as well as RealGM.com. It, that was a, a very useful conversation, Gordon. You were uh, hoping for a bit of uh, more information on the layout, and boy, was Keith ever in a position to give you that answer, huh? <laughs> He's an expert, man. He knows it like the back of his hand. He's worked there for 20 years, he said? <laughs> yeah, so he, he's familiar with, with what's going so, on. So he said most of, the, most of the teams will be in that one resort. Right. It's not a so, Yeah, and I don't know how big the resort is, but uh, these players from various teams are going to be running across each other. Actually, I think that's kind of cool. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think most of these players are on a pretty friendly relationship uh, anyway, right? Maybe not Joe Ingles and Paul George. I just said that because th- Joe's talked about that relationship before. I'm trying to figure out how much money would be won and lost if Michael Jordan were involved in all this. Oh, I'm go- sure. Uh, I, on the golf course, on the shuffleboard court. <laughs> playing pinochle in the lobby. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a couple of dollars would uh, would change hands. Uh, there's uh, What's his name? Is it Alex Kennedy of Real GM? Speaking of Real GM. He did a deep breakdown. He's done a few of these, but he did a deep breakdown of gambling in the NBA, like uh, not not gambling on games, but gambling like in what they play in planes and stories from mm-hmm. players about how tensions ran high and those sorts of things. Like uh, the Javaris Crittenden, um, Gilbert Arenas conflict that culminated in uh, 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 really the loss of Gilbert Arenas' career, right? That started in, over a, a game of, uh, I think it was Dice. So well, there's, there's uh, definitely a, like a subculture of of uh, gambling. We've heard about the high dollar uh, shooting contests that sometimes go on uh, after a practice. You know. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's only natural. Uh, do you? <laughs> Oh, we all did it. You know what we did on camping trips as Boy Scouts when we were bored in between things to to do? We played cards. What? We played cards. Didn't you play cards yeah. a lot growing up as a kid? We did played you, cards a ton. Uh, did you put uh, like fifty cents on the on the table? You know, where you know what, commissary dollars or corn nuts or whatever you happen to you know decide <laughs> mosquito uh, spray. Right? Sometimes we just play with uh, we just somebody would bring along poker chips and it'd just be fake money or whatever. But you know, we all kind of uh, that was contraband in our militaristic voice scout. Was it really? Oh yeah. No cards. We were full uniform, baby. Wow, really? We were we were definitely not. Wait, wait, uh, wait! You could you could not recreate? No, no, no. We were there for business only. <laughs> Which was what did that consist of? To, to Rub, get... rubbing sticks together to try and start a fire? Yeah, seriously. Sure. If, if you're not working on a merit badge, then you better be then sleeping. You better be sleeping. Wow, <laughs> sleeping or uh, cleaning out the tent and campground. Yeah. Even on just or, a... or maybe marching around. You guys uh, think they, I'm yeah. kidding? I'm not kidding. It was, and it it, it taught me a lot of discipline. But I, that's probably why I didn't go in the military. I felt like I'd already done it. <laughs> yeah, we were my my scout troop was was not not quite that uh, rigorous. We had some damn time. We filled it with did, cards. It was great fun. Did you do things like uh, in those environments, like Klondike derbies and all that yeah, stuff? I did the Klondike derby. Did you? You built a sled. Yep, we did. How'd they go? Uh, we uh, the year we really put our whole heart and soul into it uh, was a year where Mother Nature didn't exactly cooperate, so it ended up being a bunch of troops out in the middle of a, a field that was supposed to be covered in snow that wasn't. So, did you so put, it didn't uh, go well. Like rollers on it? No, we didn't, have the, we didn't have the event. We were stuck there with a completed sled and just uh, nothing to do. Were you both Eagle Scouts? I was. I don't know yep. about Austin. I was Eagle Scout, or I, that was the only way out. So I got that thing before I was 13. <laughs> Sounds like you had a, a real fun time. Yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't all terrible, but I'd never do it again. And remind me real quick, what were your, you've told us before, but what were your projects? Uh, I, I installed a few trees at a baseball park that needed it, and They've now become light posts. They removed the trees like three years later. Uh, I've probably told you mine, Gordon. Uh, you you know uh, Tom Wharton? Yes. So Tom's wife, Gayen. That's right. Was my mm-hmm. sixth grade teacher. Yeah, science teacher, right? And uh, no, she was an um, elementary school teacher. I mean, she taught a no, bit of I everything. Mean, but, but she specialized. Right. She she was uh, into uh, native plants, native to Utah, nature scaping, okay. zero scaping. Have you heard of uh, those those phrases? She was yes. She was very uh, she was very all about that. So she did that at Oak Ridge Elementary. She she zero scaped, and so I designed a pamphlet basically to go along with what she did for ah. students to to learn about uh, native plants. Good for you. Love the Wharton family, by the way. Shout out to them. Oh, family. yeah. They're yeah, terrific. No doubt. And Tom still is doing a thing or two every once in a while for the trip, right? Yes. I see him on uh, on Twitter sometimes making various comments and whatnot. Sharp guy. 
Yeah, and then his twin sons, Jake and Rawl, have wonderful families as well. So shout out to the Wardens. I remember when they were young. Oh, boy. The years have gone by. Yeah, no doubt. Where does the time go? All right, Mm -hmm. stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he is our good friend Andrew Reinhardt. Andrew, let's help our listeners bring a little spark back into the bedroom. That's right. We are bringing the spark back for a lot of guys struggling with ED or erectile dysfunction, um, and a lot of guys that are frustrated with the other solutions that are out there. Now, our technology, we say this over and over. We say clinically shown and clinically proven, and, and I would invite guys to go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com, look at the science page. One of the journals or articles uh, that was published by, let's see, this is the American Urological Association. They um, took 600 guys with erectile dysfunction. They applied our treatments, the acoustic wave, for blood flow. And um, there's pages and pages of, you know, placebo-controlled studies, and it goes over all of the data. And then at the end, it says conclusion or results. And it says that acoustic wave therapy is feasible, non-invasive, and effective, which I really love this study because it puts, us, it, puts it into layman's terms. We can all understand feasible, non-invasive, and effective. This can open up and regrow blood vessels so that the spontaneity and the natural function in the bedroom come back, which so many relationships want, need, and deserve. Absolutely, Andrew. What I like about what you guys are doing is you found a better way to do it. It's been a problem that's been around for a long time. You found a better way. We have. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, you know, maybe LASIK eye surgery. It's not a surgery. It's not invasive like that, but kind of similar to that where we wore glasses for 100 years and then, you know, this new technology came, and that's what I'm seeing happen is guys throw the pills away, throw the injections away, and get those younger years back. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. Get in there, meet with the doctor, and uh, actually you guys are doing a lot of stuff for free. We're doing a lot for free. Um, guys have e- uh, that have ED have a lot of questions. Come in. Uh, we'll do the free assessment. We'll do an exam. We'll do a blood flow ultrasound. This is with an MD, by the way. You will, you will meet with a doctor. Uh, he'll answer all your questions. We'll test your blood flow. We're going to give you a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. Whether you do the treatments or not, that's free just for making the trip. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks, guys. It's our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Again, 801-901-8000. We'll have more coming up next. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. want to remind you about our good friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs, it's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.com. This is a fine tune, Gordon. I kind of forgot about this one. Yeah, I think... Uh I think Bruce Springsteen did this as well. But, uh, I don't know who originated it, but it's good too. The Pointer Sisters talented, man. They, yeah, this is good sounds. All right, Gordo, let's talk a little bit about Major League Baseball for a moment. We've talked a lot about how the NBA and the NBA Players Association have done a good job kind of pulling in the right direction to get the NBA back and going. The same, of course, cannot be said for Major League Baseball and its players union (laughs) who have gone back and forth um, a a few times. And in fact, last uh, we we talked about this, Gordon, we thought it was going to be at a bit of a standstill, which actually has been the case, but not really. Because Austin, now Austin has unearthed some of the math here, uh, Major League Baseball has made different offers to the players' union. So they have responded. That has happened. But the offer's actually not real different. 
Yeah, that's right. According to Mike Aziza, baseball writer for CBSSports.com, he said the Major League Baseball owner's first offer was 82 games at a sliding pay scale. That came out to be about 33% or one-third of what the players would have made in a full season with Gate. Their next offer dropped from 82 to 50 games at a prorated pay. That came out to be about a third, 33% of what they would have made with a full season and, and gate. Mm-hmm. Their most recent offer, 76 games at 75% prorated pay. Anyone guessing as to uh, <laughs> how much that comes out to? Hmm, I'm going to go 33% of the salary. You, sir, cannot be stumped. 33% of what they would have made. And to, to take this one step further... Of course, you know the big line in the in the sand for the players union is that 50-50 revenue split. All of these Austin, all these numbers you just put out there also equal to 33%. Well, a plus 50, 50. A, a 50-50 revenue split. It all right, that does not it does not change from baseball's none offer. Of, none of the so, uh, none of the offers have changed from a basic financial standpoint. The only thing they've altered is the number of games. Instead of 2 plus 2 equals 4, it's now 3 plus 1 <laughs> equals 4. Right. It's still 4. It's still 50-50 on uh, the revenue split, and it's still 33% of salary. So they've made I'll, other offers, but not really. Check me if I'm wrong on this, but way back with the first offer, didn't uh, weren't the players essentially saying that they weren't going to negotiate anymore because that wasn't good enough? And so what has been presented since then hasn't really budged a bit. No, it, it, it says what the owners think of the players' intelligence. I know what we'll do. <laughs> we'll offer them the same thing, but change the math formula. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever had that experience going in to be sold something? You know, like maybe you're buying a new washer or dryer or something like that, and they keep trying to sell you the same piece of crap? Like you say, okay, let's listen. Let's let's look at something else. And then five minutes later, you're back at the same thing he was trying to sell you in the first place. I have I have seen on some bigger purchases in my day some some. Uh, have you ever noticed how certain guys get on that uh, get on the calculator <laughs> and they're figuring this into that and that into this and they're t- they're they're adding all this together and into this mathematical equation and at the, at the end of the day you're paying the same exact amount. Right. It, I'm with Austin. It is an insult to the. Well, it's an insult to the negotiating process, frankly. I mean, are you are you there to work something out, or are you there to mess around? Especially since the players already said no, and and especially since in March the owners agreed to a, a deal with the players, and now they're like, oh well, we didn't realize there wouldn't be any gate, so we need to redo this. Right? What? You have a contract. You have to honor a contract, do you not? Usually, you know. Uh, and by the way, I'm not on the player side either. They're all a bunch of crybabies. Well, everybody's pr- trying to protect what's theirs, and everybody's trying to protect their money. But it's always interesting where the public sides, whether it's on the player side or the the owner side, and usually, and I, I've never truly understood this, but usually your average sports fan sides with the the owner and not the players. And again, I, I've never truly understood that, but that's usually public sentiment. Uh, Major League Baseball is really trying to. Test that uh, <laughs> that theory because they're, they're it's really tough to defend what they're doing. I mean that's terrible. That's not negotiating yeah. in good faith. That's awful. Yes, I agree with what you just said. And I I as time goes by, I'm getting uh, more and more skeptical about whether they're going to put anything together that is. I think we may go without baseball all all season long. And actually, if, if you read the real doomsday Major League Baseball people, there could be multiple years of, of labor issues going forward. Yeah, just what, uh, just what your average fan wants to hear right about now. Well, we're, I know we all wish we uh, had a baseball team here in Salt Lake City, but do we wish it a little less today? Well, I was, I was just going <laughs> to ask you guys, have you checked in on your Korean baseball organization? No, how are we doing? Last time I, la, wait, wait, I did check uh, a few days ago, and Jake's heroes were making a move. Yeah, they're, they're on the climb. Yes! Uh, and the Doosan Bears, not, not so. They no, fell 12-8 to last night today to the NC Dinos. 
Who is the first head- team in the league, by the way? Are they heading toward 500? Uh, they're no, sinking, no they? they're still they're 19 and 11 on the season. The oh, okay. Bears are. But right. uh, Ki the heroes have climbed all the way back up to 18 and 13. Okay. On the season. Okay. Oh, a bit of a streak. So uh, I am only a game and a half behind uh, Gordon's Doosan Bears. And the, the yes. And uh, you you beat uh, the mighty Samsung Lions this morning. Okay. <laughs> Five to three. Hey, they can't win when a Slurpee's on the line, but. <laughs> Yeah, where is my Slurpee, by the way, feller? And then, uh, but uh, the the Samsung Lions, they have climbed the standings as well, from third worst to fourth worst. So we're (laughs) we're going the right direction here. All right, Uh, okay. Hear us roar. There you go. So Korean baseball keeping us all satisfied with sports still. Although I did see some of your German soccer on the worldwide leader today. Bundesliga. Uh, I think it's a German Cup play or something like that. So. Mm. All right. Well, at least we got something. Who's your favorite we... uh, the German soccer team? Schalke Nordfier. Are they the 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 Gremlins or what? They're the Duke uh, what's their, of that league. What's I'm sure. their mascot? Oh, I guarantee it's the Duke of that league. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's the. Yeah, it's whatever the. It's the Yankees. The, the Lakers. The no, Duke. it's yeah. not. Actually, it's not. Mm-mm. Uh, it's not. How do you spell it? I'm looking it up. S C H A L K E. Look it up. You'll see that they are middle of the pack. Any particular reason uh, you like that team? Uh, I lived near there at one point when I was in Germany. Okay. And uh, met some of the fans. Again, what's their what's they were their mass- founded 116 years ago? That's pretty crazy. What uh what what's their uh, what's their mascot? I don't know. I, I've forgotten. Uh, it's just uh, Schalke 04. And uh, that's it's 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 an old old time established club. The uh, the and second bullet point on their Wikipedia is titled Rise to Dominance. Uh, <laughs> the third bullet point, the championship years. Yep. Bingo. Uh, yeah, when were the championship years? Well, the, the, they've had them. <laughs> yeah, and you said they were middle no, of the pack. No, well, they are. You, you made it right. sound what, like what they, are, they were, they were the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, what are the current standings? Where are they in the Bundesliga standings no, I'm not right that now? Bored yet? Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at the team as a historical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Yankees aren't always in first, but that but doesn't the, mean that they're not the Yankees. No, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. If I wanted, they're to not go the with Padres. The, if I wanted to go with a more dominant team, I would have gone with Dortmund or uh, maybe München or you know somebody like that. I, I I wasn't trying. This this is really came from my familiarity with that area. It's a, it's in an area near a town called Gelsenkirchen, and it's uh, <laughs> it's a it's an industrial area. You know, they are tenth uh, in the Bundesliga right now. Out of how many teams? Eighteen, as you know. See, middle of the pack. What I say. You you just mentioned a bunch of teams that I'm not convinced exist. The only one of those I've heard, or uh, only German soccer team I've ever heard of is Bayern Munich. Isn't that how you pronounce it? Bayern Munich? FC Bayern yeah. München, yeah, I right. believe. And, and Gordon yeah, that's didn't what even I, mention that's, that's, that. That's, that's I what I was... just mentioned. I just mentioned München. And uh, Dortmund. You've heard of Dortmund? Dortmunder? I think you're Come just on. making I think you're, this is just German gibberish. Look, where what place is Dortmund in? I bet they're in second, like second place. Come on, Jake. Calling into question. The, their official name is Bo Russia Dortmund. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Is that a, is Bo Russia a place? Uh, it's in a town called Dortmund. I, I don't know. What oh, the, is Bo Russia the, the the okay the mascot or whatever? What, no, it's not the mascot. I don't it's know. It's some that means. sort of camel. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in first place, by the way? Yeah, the Bayern Munich. Yeah. Okay. Where about, about Leverkusen? What? Uh, fifth. Fifth? How about, uh, let me see, uh, what else we got there? How about uh, Munchie Gladbach? Fourth. All right. You're only missing the third place, which that- is Lips Pig. Oh, wait. I- <laughs> Leipzig. Sorry. <laughs> uh, hmm. I mean, that was. Do, I- does Frankfurt have a decent, are they even in the first of it? Well, who? Frankfurt? Dusseldorf? Frankfurt. Fra- they're 11th. They're, they're worse than Shaka. Yeah, good. 
All right. Uh, glad we got that behind us. Uh, we've got the Not Sports Report coming up next. Stay tuned. Bowler is going to be Ashton on with us. Leaving, leaving. Bowler a little later than usual. He's going to jump on at 530. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? Well, we're going all over the place because I got about three or four for the price of one. And the first one has to do with uh, something that Austin had uh, passed along, I guess, on Twitter or something. Somebody you ran across a report about a uh, a uh, a white grizzly bear up in Canada that was yeah. you, someone came across. A lot of people Banff. thought there was a polar bear out there, and yeah. it's actually just an extremely rare white grizzly. Yes. Oh, is that right. all? So, so somebody was asking my advice as to what you should do if you encounter a uh, a white grizzly. Uh, actually, no, no one asked for it. I just said, I guarantee we'll get it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. why, why would your advice be relevant to this topic? Uh, because uh, people ask me these kinds of questions all the time, Jake, uh, in varying circumstances. First thing, you run across a bear. And first of all, let me uh, have this disclaimer. Uh, don't, don't, don't. Don't do this. Me. Don't do what you're, you're about to hear. First thing, don't panic. You don't panic. If you run across a bear out in the great outdoors, and where else would you? Uh, don't, uh, don't, don't, uh, start screaming or yelling or making all kinds of noise and all that stuff. This is what you want to do. You want to treat it like you, if you saw a stranger just walking along, you don't, you don't go past, you just, you don't, you don't scream and yell or you, and you don't attack it. You just sort of stop talking calm tones and slowly back away. Do not run. Do not run. What do you? What are some of the phrases that are okay to use? Uh, well, first of all, let me just say that if a if a black bear attacks you, you better fight back. <laughs> Bop them on the nose, uh-huh. real hard. See if that works. <laughs> but if it's a grizzly, if it's this white grizzly up near Banff, uh, play dead. That's what you got to do. Play bad. dead. Why, why don't you try to tell it the chicken story? That probably if, if you if you <laughs> scamper away in no time, they do the trick. <laughs> Black bears generally are shy; they generally don't want to mess with you. But uh, there are exceptions to the rule. A grizzly bear, they can be mean. Okay. You know, uh, some are shy and whatever. But uh, all, play dead if if one of those comes after you, and uh, and if you're with two people. Then go ahead and run as long as you're faster than the person you're with. Wow, that was a long build-up for that joke. <laughs> way too long of a build-up for that joke. Okay, I mentioned yesterday, this is uh, has a bit of a sports uh, connection to it, but I, uh, Michael Jordan entered that $3 million fishing tournament, and uh, apparently his team, which is called Catch-23, by the way, his team caught a 442-pound marlin. It was. Did it say where it was out of? It was in North Carolina, right? Well, I don't know where it was. It was on the water. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, it's a good place to look for a fish. Yeah, Some, somewhere on the water. Um, but isn't that just like Jordan? Money's on the line, and what does he do? He catches a four hundred and forty-two pound marlin. Now that does not put him in first place. However, uh, some other crew uh, caught a four hundred ninety-two pounder. But still. Jordan looked pretty happy about that whole thing. All right. How much is the most you ever spent on a date, Jake and Austin? $7.35. You're such a liar. <laughs> you didn't spend that much. The first time you took Naz out, how much did you spend, Jake? Because you were really trying to impress her because you liked her. I don't remember, honestly. $7. And... <laughs> I, I can tell you where we went. Uh, have you ever eaten at Ava's downtown on Main Street? It's really good. 
I don't know. I probably probably spent like uh, fifty bucks. Awesome. Uh, the most I've ever spent uh, on one single date was probably closer to two hundred dollars. I've yeah. spent more on dates. He asked about my first date, but uh, the average I would I would guess uh, the average on that I spent on dates was between thirty and fifty. Yeah. What I have in front of me is the average price of a date in the United States. And it's a breakdown by state. Do you know what the average price of a date in Utah is? I'm According to this? $48. It's going to be cheap. No, Nine, cheap for not, sure. no, no, $98. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, well, it's relatively scant compared to some other places. California, your average date is $220. Oregon, 119. Washington, looks like 195. Arizona, 106. New Mexico, 86. No, South Dakota, 38 bucks. Nice. Wish we even moved to South Dakota. Colorado's 109. But Utah, $98 for your average price of a date. It ain't cheap going on a date anymore, is it? Nope, it isn't. Was it ever cheap to go on a date? I don't know. Couldn't you used to go pick up a hamburger somewhere? Or, you know, just talk. I mean, you when the bees are playing, you can go on and a, a, a date at the baseball game is a perfect date. And we've had that argument before. You guys disagree with me, but it's, it's a not perfect the perfect date. date. It's, it's far the, from the perfect date. It is the perfect date because you can actually sit and talk and uh, enjoy one another's company or figure out whether you want to pursue this more or not. But how much is you? You can get a, tickets to a bees game for way less than ninety eight bucks, right? Yeah, yeah you can. Oh well, I, I I don't know. That surprised me a hundred bucks for a date. Of course, uh, when I was dating, when I was single, that was uh, quite a while ago. So I was spending probably less money than that. But I, I was going to say a hot date back in your day was like seventy four cents. <laughs> well, you can find creative you went ways and got a to moat. Go, <laughs> go on a walk. Go on a walk up the canyon or something. You know. Why are you some... judging people on how they they choose to to go out on dates? <laughs> I'm just trying to save some people some money. You know, the most expensive date I ever took my wife on was probably. Oh, it depends on what you consider a date, but I. I What's the most expensive meal you've ever had with your with your beloved? I don't think I, I want to talk about this. You? How much? How much? Come on. Come on, One you time. tell us. One time. You just tell uh, us. Well, as you know, I don't drink, so this was without alcohol, but I think it was like 250 bucks. Okay. I don't believe an, you, it, but it, yeah. It was, on, it was on an island in the Caribbean. Okay. Oh, geez. Sure. Uh, what about you? Huh? Uh, I told you, like, what did I say? $7 and what? No, the most, I said the most expensive meal you ever bought your lovely bride. Wait a minute. What do you mean bought my lovely bride? Like That you took her up. What, what do you mean clear? by that? Are you, are, are you implying that it's not we, we don't mutually have funds it's not that, your that money. paid it's, for the dinner? Yeah. Is that, that what you're implying? That I bought her dinner? How, how would I buy her dinner as a married person? Because Jake, if he didn't, she wouldn't eat that night. Is what I, is what I'm hearing. Huh? Well, I'm just saying that that the money that bought the dinner was ours, right? But <laughs> I but, didn't buy her anything. Do, oh, wait, wait. Malt era. Hold on, hold on. Do you have joint uh, checking account? No. Uh, we do. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Austin, that was an awfully definitive <laughs> no. That's what are you trying to keep your money away from your wife? She makes way more than I make. It's the opposite. <laughs> She's keeping you away. Yeah. Yeah, we have a joint one. Yeah, that's what But is goes. that is that how you view going to dinner with Lisa? Like, boy, you should really this, you should really feel lucky that I'm buying you this dinner tonight. You know what? Get dessert. <laughs> uh, look. I want to say that my wife <laughs> makes major contributions to our my family. Uh-huh. But 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 uh-huh. she she does not work outside the home. 
And? I don't know. I've got some sound that says she does work outside the home <laughs> while you work inside the home. You are on a real slippery slope here, sir. I would watch I would watch my step if okay. I were you. She does not have a job. At, Danger! At she, Danger, at, at, Mr. Robinson. Hold on. Don't do it. You are wrong here. Don't interrupt me in the middle. She does not have a job at which she draws a salary. So that that was your finish? That didn't trust me. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> you lose big time. All right, let's get uh, speaking of dates, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical help. Clinic. Uh, Andrew, 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 help us, please. Any comment on the slippery slope Gordon was just going down right there? Well, I was thinking when you guys said most expensive meal, I was thinking I did go to Roost Chris last year and that was up there oh yeah that was up there. that'll do it a couple hundred bucks maybe yeah yeah one heck of mm-hmm. a steak though one heck of a steak you're yeah. right no doubt all right well let's help some love lives andrew yes we are helping a lot of love lives um we've been talking about this acoustic wave therapy that is a treatment for ed that uh is becoming kind of famous for what it's not it's not a pill it's not injections um The treatment has been great. We've treated a lot of guys, thousands of guys probably. And it's interesting because there's so many, so much clinical data now. Um, I was pulling up one here. This is therapeutic advances in urology. And we've been saying how well this treatment works. And this is another study of 300 guys. We read one a couple minutes ago that was 600 guys. This is 300 men that had erectile dysfunction, that went through the acoustic wave. Again, we've got a ton of data, but let me just read you a couple sentences from their conclusion. It says that acoustic wave therapy is a revolutionary treatment for ED and possesses unprecedented qualities that can rehabilitate erectile tissue. It then goes on to say that this confirms that acoustic wave therapy is the new standard of care for men with ED. It is feasible and tolerable and without any adverse or unwanted side effects. That's pretty cool stuff coming from therapeutic advances in urology. It's so great to finally have something that can fix all those problems in the bedroom without the use of medication and with zero side effects. See, I think those uh, those studies, Andrew, are really, really important because the treatment, uh, I mean, it, it almost sounds too good to be true. I think it's important people kind of go over that where this, this is better. This is a better way to do it. Yeah, and, and it sounds too good to be true because, because guys have failed so many times, and they come into the clinic, and you can tell the pills, the injections, um, it, it, it affects the relationship. It affects them. And they, they don't think that anything will work. And that's a result of so many failures. Um, but it is a game changer. The science is sound. And we have helped guys. We've helped guys into their 90s. So if you're out there listening, you have ED and you're younger than 90, you, you've got a good chance of getting back to normal. All right, 801-901-8000 is the number to call, 801-901-8000. Get in there, see the doctor for free, Andrew, and uh, some extras as well. Yes, call us now, free exam, free assessment. We're uh, we're going to test your blood flow to make sure you're a good candidate and that blood flow is the issue. Uh, We're also throwing a little special gift. Uh, I call it a booster in the bedroom, totally free and produces instant results. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right, more coming up straight ahead. Don't forget Bowler at 530. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.